coming up on Philosophy Talk. My name is Lester Burnham. You've worked hard, you've found success, and now you're asking yourself, is that all there is? The midlife crisis. If you haven't had it yet, just wait. I have lost something. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know I didn't always feel this sedated. But you know what? It's never too late to get it back. Is the midlife crisis nostalgia for lost youth or the fear of old age? Why does midlife have to be a crisis? Do you know anyone who didn't have a midlife crisis? What should we do when the midlife crisis hits? Our guest is Kieran Setia, author of Midlife, A Philosophical Guide. Midlife and meaning. Don't interrupt me, honey. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. If you like Philosophy Talk, you might also enjoy podcasts from our friends at the IAI, the Institute of Art and Ideas. Check them out at iai.tv. Is midlife just the beginning of the end? Or can it be the start of a whole new chapter? Can philosophy help us navigate the shoals of midlife? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We're here at the studios of KLW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about midlife and meaning. Well, Josh, I don't really have any personal experience with this one. I've never had a midlife crisis. How about you? I think I've never not had a midlife crisis. Really? Yeah, I I pretty much started around 30 and never looked back. I mean, gosh, what was that like? Or should I say, what is that like? Well, it's pretty straightforward. You know, just the feeling that uh, what I'm doing isn't at all worthwhile. (laughs) Well, Josh, that's because you're in the literature department, dude. Oh, that's rich (laughs) coming from a philosopher. Uh, Okay, okay, fair enough. All kidding aside. You sound like that guy in the Sartre novel, Nausea. You've lost all confidence in your fundamental project. Is is that it? No, that's about right. Look, I I just don't have a deep belief in its importance, you know, for the world. Well, but I'm not quite sure what that has to do with midlife in particular. That's just your ordinary existential crisis that could happen at any time in your life, young, older, middle-aged. I think there's something special about midlife, actually. Look, time is running out. People you love die, and, and, and all this stuff you've worked so hard to achieve, it isn't making you happy. Well, if it's not making you happy, Josh, do something else. Oh, okay. So, so you want me to choose some other career that also wouldn't make me happy. My point isn't that the career I happen to be in is pointless. It's that all careers are pointless. Gosh, Josh, you're such a downer, man. You got it bad. I didn't realize that. When you're younger, Ken, look, you're totally focused on the goals, right? The stuff that's ahead of you. Those goals, if you achieve them, they're going to make you happy and they're going to solve the world's problems. Then what happens? You land that promotion, you write that book, you create that app, and guess what? what? You're not happier. You're just older. Oh, Josh. I-, I think you need to look at life differently. Think of life as I don't know, like a series of experiments. Some work out, some don't. When one fails, well, you move on to the next hypothesis. And, and you don't think of it as a crisis. Think of it as your, as your life speaking to you, giving you feedback. Well, I'll, I'll grant you that life is an experiment. But what if the result of that experiment is that nothing matters? Oh. One day you'll be gone. Everyone you know will be gone. The whole human race will be gone. 
What's the point of any project? Josh, you'd need some therapy, my friend. <laughs> Look, here's what I think is wrong with you. You're just way too focused on goals and achievement. I know you. You're this hypercharged, overachieving guy. I, I think you need to stop and smell the roses, Josh. You need to learn to enjoy the process. Ah, uh, the living in the moment stuff. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with the poet Kavafi on this. He, he has this great poem about Odysseus. Odysseus spends 10 years at sea, and, and, and Kavafi says he was lucky it took him so long because, Josh, it's the journey that counts. The journey. Yeah, look, Ken, Odysseus wasn't just traveling. He was trying to get home. You need to reread that poem, Ken. Okay. Remember those great lines? Ithaca gave you the marvelous journey. Without her, you wouldn't have set out. Without Ithaca, there's no journey. Without a destination, all you're doing is just ambling about. You can't have a process if you don't have a goal. No, I, I don't think I buy that. I mean, think of Camus' Sisyphus rolling that stone up the hill. It's always falling back, rolling it up. It's always, you know, what Camus says, we have to imagine Sisyphus happy, even though there is no terminus. That's what living in the moment is all about, Josh. Forget the ultimate terminus. Ken, that sounds like a terrible terrible life. Josh, look, I, I see I'm not going to convince you with philosophy or even with your own field literature. Maybe a little science will help you. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Liza Veal, to find out if there's any scientific basis for the way we imagine and navigate midlife. She files this report. In Hollywood, midlife crises come out of nowhere. They get hit at a family dinner, like in the movie American Beauty. No, no, that's quite all right, dear. Your father and I were just discussing his day at work. Why don't you tell our daughter about it, honey? Janie, today I quit my job. <laughs> and then I told my boss to go f*** himself, and then I blackmailed him for almost $60,000 past the asparagus. The main character, Lester Burnham, upends his life when he meets a young, beautiful woman that makes him want to live again. Your father seems to think this kind of behavior is something to be proud of. And your mother seems to prefer that I go through life like a prisoner while she keeps my in a mason jar under the sink. In the movie City Slickers, Billy Crystal's character also arrives at middle age all of a sudden, as if looking up from the task of life for the very first time. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. A lot of times the midlife crisis seems to be about dreading being old as much as it is about feeling dissatisfied right now. We assume it just gets worse. Start eating dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? Turns out this movie trope speaks to a very real, scientifically observable trend. We discovered these incredibly consistent patterns in the relationship between reported happiness on the one hand and age on the other. This is Carol Graham with the Brookings Institution. On average, most individuals experience a decline in their reported happiness starting sort of in the mid-20s, going down to a low point in about earlier, late 50s, this is often the most stressful part of your life, the height of your career, the most responsibilities. It's all those things that the characters in American Beauty and City Slickers were going on about. But the surprising part, and what Hollywood doesn't always show, 
is that it gets better. Reported happiness bottoms out and then begins to curve back up. So this distinct U-shaped curve crosses hundreds and thousands and indeed millions of people around the world. The declining happiness part of the curve isn't hard to understand. When you're young, it's easy to be much more hopeful about the future and to have high aspirations. But as you grow up, you know, you realize, hey, a lot about being a grown-up is a lot of hard work. What's a little harder to explain is that shift, why overall happiness swings back up after middle age. Graham says part of it is coming to terms with the things that used to disappoint you. By the time people are in their mid-40s or late-40s, their aspirations adjust with their, you know, more realistic expectations. And, you know, bluntly put, if you're 45 and you can't sing and you don't play guitar, you probably figure out you're not going to be a rock star. Another part comes from our psychology. Older people experience less emotional volatility. Graham says it's the wisdom of perspective. Young people have more emotional swings in part because they have less experience with negative things or bad luck or whatever it might be. By the time you are in your late 40s, you've had so many bad experiences, they roll off your back, so to speak. But at least you're much, you realize that a bad experience isn't the end of the world. And lastly, some of it could be attributed to our biology. There's research that shows even chimpanzees have a sort of downward trend in their cheerfulness. The shape of the U varies across countries. There are places that are just happier. In Latin American countries like Costa Rica and Scandinavian countries like Norway, the drop into midlife slump is shorter and shallower. These places have a lot of things that make it better to get old. They have good safety nets. They have good family ties, good public health and education systems, good social security systems. In other words, there's less to dread. All of this supports the idea of a midlife slump, but there's no research to back up the idea of a crisis, an acute culmination. But who knows, maybe Hollywood is onto something. Keep an eye on the middle-aged people in your life. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Liza Beal. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.